Is Joe Rogan correct in some of his criticism of how Christians behave on this side of eternity? Did he encourage people to get a Jesus tattoo? We're going to talk about all of that from his latest podcast with Jim Gaffigan. But before we get into that, guys, my name is Ruslan, and we have some awesome free resources in the description of this video, including a free Find Your Niche on YouTube course, as well as a free Master uh, My Habits course and a free How to Study Your Bible course. So we got a ton of great resources for you guys in the links in the description. Check those out. So Joe Rogan had a clip that came up on my timeline, and I tell you what, the YouTube algorithm really be doing it job and I thought this was super duper fascinating. We've had some great conversations about Joe Rogan and this clip says a whole lot about maybe where Rogan is in terms of his ideas of Christianity, knowing historically he's been a bit more hostile to it. As of late, he's seen value in living out Jesus's principles, okay? So I did a whole video about that. You could check that out. But on this video, they make some really interesting assessments, and it kind of gets his mind blown about church history as they're referencing a podcast that does these long-form conversations on different parts and sectors of history. So Dan Carlin, when he does a two-hour podcast, he will research that for months months and months. He had a great piece on Martin Luther and the invention of Lutherism. So now we're entering Martin Luther, the invention of Lutherism. I've never really heard that phrase used together. This is about the Protestant Reformation. Okay. So Joe Rogan is fascinated with some church history here. Every 500 years, there's been a great schism in church history. I grew up Armenian Orthodox, and the Armenian and the Oriental Church, which is the Eastern Church, not Oriental like Asian, but the Eastern Church, split from the Universal Church or the Catholic Church at around the year 500. Then there was uh, the Great Schism around the year 1050, where the Eastern Orthodox split from the Universal or the Catholic Church. And then again, in the year around 1500, Martin Luther, with his 95 Theses, split again from the church, and now it will be have known as Protestantism. A uh, time in history where making a version of the Bible that was uh, phonetically readable, that people could understand, like a phonetic interpretation of the Bible where you could say the word, like, that didn't exist. Like they, wow. they all read the Bible in Latin. And if you didn't yeah. understand Latin, you were, Most people didn't read, right. You yeah. were at the whim of the priests. And Martin Luther came along and said, actually what God said, like you could probably interpret it yourself and not leave it to these people. Yeah. Was that an acknowledgement from Rogan that the Bible is what God said? That's interesting. Joe Rogan is describing what set off the Protestant reformation, which was the printing press being invented and Luther leveraging the technology of the printing press so that the Bible can be translated into initially German and then went on to be translated into English in as many languages as possible. Because up until this point, the Catholic Church and the priests, which Luther was originally Catholic, had a monopoly on how, who could read and understand the Bible, right? And so here you have this interesting intersection of faith technology and a desire to rebel against the powers that be in the name of truth. Martin Luther is one of the most fascinating people throughout all history. Far from perfect, but I'm so ecstatic that like Rogan is talking about Martin Luther and church history on his podcast. Listen to what he says next. And like they came real close to killing him a few times for that. A lot of the evil things that were done in the name of Christianity were in the window when people didn't have access 
to the Bible and could read. This is pre-mass literacy, and this is pre-everyone having translations of the Bible. So when you talk about the Crusades, all these evil things that were done, it was by, quote-unquote, Christians who were not biblically literate. They didn't have access to the Bible, and they literally just had to trust whatever the, the authorities that be told them. The, the more the world became biblically literate, which was actually how the world became literate in general is because the printing press was created so that more people can read the Bible. And so because more people read the Bible, Christians were more inclined to try and make people literate so they can read the Bible. And as the world became more literate, more things changed for the better. Wars weren't as frequent. Hospitals were built. Universities were built. A lot of these things were done because people were able to read the Bible, not in spite of people being able to read the Bible. Remove the scriptures and people having access to understanding God, and it's a very, 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 very dark civilization that we have here. And this next point is where this video is going to drive, and I'm curious to also hear from you guys if you guys think this is accurate or not. And so again, if you guys want to learn more about Luther, dive in deep. Luther, the movie is amazing really interesting guy, and there wouldn't be church as we know it, evangelical, Protestant, anything. All of this was because the church split with Luther. He was a German guy. He split from the Catholic Church, and then we got the Protestant Reformation. They reformed, and then all of our modern denominations in America kind of came as a byproduct of the Protestant Reformation. Now, check out this next point that, uh, that Jim makes here. Consistently, uh, the messages and the teachings of Jesus are like, like humans can't grasp it. Like they're like way off. Like, oh, we're supposed to take care of the poor. We're supposed to help the needy. We're supposed to do all this. And people are like, does that mean I should get another car? Like, <laughs> That's good, right? Does that mean I should get another car? And watch what Joe Rogan says. Don't. We don't even come close. I'm going to get a Jesus tattoo. <laughs> we don't. And I'm talking about people that, uh, you know, embrace the Christian faith. Yes. Like, get it wrong. I'm not talking about people like, I don't believe in that stuff. Right. Who proclaim to be Christian. Again, humans are pretty dumb. So people that proclaim the Christian faith tend to get it wrong. That is the assessment that Joe Rogan and Jim are making here. Now, I agree with them. Believe it or not, I know some of the Christians are going to get mad at me and they're like, ah, Ruslan, how dare you? Here's what I mean. I'm going to give you guys both sides of the coin, okay? From one standpoint, if you think about the teachings of Jesus and you think about Christians in the West, are those two things congruent? I'm going to tell you why here in a second, okay? Are those two things congruent? I will tell you how Christians could be more known by the teachings of Jesus towards the end of this video. But this is why I agree with them. Because if we look at the ministry of Jesus, there is this dichotomy that's happening, this paradoxical approach that it could be hard to grasp your brain around, especially if you aren't biblically literate. Okay, Because right out the gate in the Gospel of John, we're told 
This is this is proclaiming Jesus's divinity, right? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word the, is the logos of God. Jesus is the Word. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth, and this these two ideas on the surface can be very confusing for Christians to prioritize, to understand, to process. Because God is a good God. He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. Yet, he's also an all-powerful God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. How do we follow this Jesus that is at one point flipping over the tables in the temple and he's saying you guys who are evil know how to do good gifts and he's saying some really harsh things and other times he's healing people and he's forgiving people of their sin which only God can do at the time and he's doing these miracles and he's doing all these incredible things and how do we process this Jesus that comes full of grace and truth because if you're all full of truth you're gonna kind of ignore the grace side and it's going to be very religious and legalistic. And if you're all full of grace, you're going to water down the truth. And it's, you're going to cheapen the need of the cross, right? So I got a passage I want you guys to look at with me. Let's just look at Matthew chapter 25. Okay, Matthew chapter 25, probably my favorite chapter in all of the scriptures. There's two parables and like a literal story at the end. The first two parables are about the wise and the foolish virgins not being prepared for the bridegroom returning. Okay, and the second parable is about the parable of the talents. And I'll read it briefly. I think the part that we miss is that they connect, right? The parable of the talents. And then it goes into caring for the least of these. So the parable of the talents, if you guys don't know the story, one got five talents, one got two talents, one got one, right? And the ones that got five, he doubled up. And then, but the one who only got one, he also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I know you to be a hard man. Jesus is the master in this story, okay? He says, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seeds. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. So the talent here was was money. I think in our context, it could be your time, your talent and treasure on this side of eternity, okay? Verse 26, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was mine, my own with interest, okay? So this master ain't messing around. Why did you squander what I left you with? I left you with some 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 money, and you should have at the very least put it in the bank and got an investment. Here is the truth side. This is where all of my Christian capitalist friends, all my entrepreneurs, we love this parable, right? We love this parable because it's all about making the most of what you've been given. It's all about stewardship. It's all about caring with what you've been given, right? Verse 28, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents for everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and cast a worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth boom this is supposed to read in, c- c- together these aren't separate stories right they remember they didn't add the chapters till hundreds of years later they didn't add the verses until 1500 around when they started transcribing the bible so these verses were added later right and when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne before him 
will be gathered all the nations. He will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me while I was in prison. You came to me, and they'll say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? And when did we see you sick? And then, and then verse 40, this is the, this is the message of this, right? This is the grace part. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did on, uh, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then the second part is all the people that didn't do those things. And he sends them into the lake of fire, right? So God came in the flesh as Jesus, the logos came in the flesh as Jesus, full of grace and truth. Matthew chapter 25, grace and truth. You've got the truth of God in that you're called to be a good steward. You're called to take care of what you've been given. Your life is not your own. Your life is on loan to you from God, and you are to steward and manage it correctly. And then directly, it goes into caring for the least of these. We don't know why they were hungry. We don't know why they were in prison. Did they deserve it? We don't know. We don't know why they didn't have clothes. We didn't know why they didn't have food. We don't know these things, but we do know that as followers of Jesus, we are called to care for the least of these. Grace and truth. So there's a truth side to God. There is an order and a way and an objective reality in how we are to live our lives on this side of eternity for those of us that are Christ Jesus. Why? For the benefit of the least of these, for the benefit of people who are less fortunate. Imagine with me for a minute, imagine with me for a minute if Christians really got a hold of this truth. And this is what we were known by. When it came to our choices and our decisions and how we led life, we managed our time well. We managed our resource well. If we had issues with our mental health or trauma, we wouldn't have dealt with those things. If we were in debt, we paid off our debt. We took care of our bodies. We were known as the people who stewarded our wealth well. And by the way, if you're watching this in America on a smartphone, you are in the top 2% of the world's wealth. Okay. We stewarded the wealth and the time and the opportunity and the treasure we've been given. Why? So that we can be a blessing to the least of these. How would the world look if that is what every person that declared and said, I'm a follower of Jesus, was known by and known for? I'll give you guys a micro example. It's just a little small micro example. Jesus said, you will do greater works than me. Right? And we all hear that. And my charismatic brothers and sisters, they think, yes, this is, we get the Avenger powers of the kingdom. So we're going to heal people and, 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 and people are going to rise from the grave and we're going to handle serpents and speak in tongues and do miracles. Right? We always go there. We don't factor in that maybe what he was saying was that collectively we can do greater things than Jesus. That when we come together as the body of Christ, we can do greater things than Jesus did, right? And so I'll give you an example. On my birthday, we did something really special. We donated my birthday to an organization called Charity Water. Charity Water is an organization where 100% of the proceeds goes towards building wells in parts of Africa, Asia, and South America that doesn't have clean drinking water. So what do we do? We came together. I put some money in. You guys put some money in. We looked up. We raised $12,000 in a weekend. 10 to 20 
$25,000 builds an entire water filtration system in a part of the world that doesn't have clean drinking water. We did that collectively as a community. We all sacrificed a little so that people don't, don't have anything and don't have much can have clean drinking water, which by the way, clean water is probably the best ROI you can give to a community that doesn't have it. There's over 750 million people globally that don't have clean drinking water. We were able to do something about that. Imagine if we all who considered ourselves followers of Jesus were full of grace and truth the way Jesus was. Imagine if we lived our life God's ways and we contributed and gave back with the least of these. You take care of yourself first. Man who doesn't work ought not eat. Take care of yourself. Then you care for your family. Then you care for your local community. Then you care for your extended community. James says, true religion is what? To care for the widow and the orphan. So I think this conversation that Joe Rogan had is very telling in terms of our perception. We're perceived as people who, when you look at what our God teaches, it's the dopest stuff ever. Yet we struggle with being congruent to the very things that Jesus teach. And then we wonder why we're so misunderstood by those who are not in Christ and, 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 and why they, they don't get it. It's like, well, because when I read Jesus, I really like what Jesus has to say. But when I watch some of y'all, uh, right? <laughs> and so, by the way, from a, from a macro standpoint, they say the vast majority of philanthropy and charity work is still done by people who identify as religious. Okay, so that's still, that's still the case, globally speaking. But what I'm saying is I think there's a disconnect between our speech and the perception because we tend to go to one of two extremes. We want to go all out and it's the wrath and the judgment of God, which is, that's real. Or we go all the way to the extreme side and we're like, yeah, Jesus, ooh, he came and he was just so chill and cool and right. He just loved everybody, right? And we then we cheapen the need for the cross because let's not get it twisted. In order for you to understand how good the good news is of Jesus, you also got to understand how bad it is. God created everything and it was good. And then sin and evil entered and it got bad. And then Jesus comes on a rescue mission to redeem, or, 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 or another way to say the word redeem is to buy back humanity, to restore us and put us back in a right standing with God. Jesus takes on our sins on the cross and then he rises from the grave. And then he says, by the way, now you go out into the world and you be ministers of reconciliation. Give us a glimpse of, of, of what God is going to do when, he, when Jesus returns, when he returns as the lion. You're going to give people a little glimpse of that by what? By taking care of yourself and being a good steward with your time, talent, and treasure so that you can care for the least of these. When you get one or the other and you get too extreme, one side gets super legalistic and it's all about doing the right thing and, and all that. The other side, you, you ignore objective reality and God's laws and the order of the universe and it, get, and, and it just cheapens the, the grace in the cross. Jesus came full of grace and truth, friends. So I want to hear from you guys in the comment section when they say these things. Do you think it's accurate? Do you think 
a lot of us Christians aren't living out our lives the way Jesus called us to live. Do you think it's accurate or do you think it's a perception issue, meaning that we most Christians are living out their life the way God called us to, and there's just a perception and a disconnect with how we're perceived versus how we really are? I want to hear from you guys in the comment section. Let me know what y'all think. Kingstream Entertainment. Bruce Yo, thank you so much for making it to the end of this video. Be sure to check the links in the description of this video in the pinned comments. We have some amazing free resources, including a free how to study the Bible course, a free find your niche training if you're looking to get into the YouTube space, and a free master my habits training that I put together with my Christian therapist, Dr. Rudy, helping you form freedom-forming habits. All right, and check out some of these other videos and like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Recommend it from me to YouTube, from me to you, from YouTube, all that good stuff. All right, 